0: We in! What's up, guys? We in, and we can't get out.
1: What?
2: It's
0: Kanye reference.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. All
1: right.
0: I, you guys scared me. <laughs> no, I, you're trapped here. Yeah, all right. You're trapped here with me. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Chris and Kyle Show. I'm Kyle. He's Chris. Hello. We chatting. all things everything. Uh, we do have a fun announcement to start out. Our poll closed, and because I gave my opinion to the internet, They decided to punish me, and we had to go and see Venom. Thank you, Internet. And then do an episode about it. So tune in on Thursday for that wonderful breakdown of just a...
2: We um, literally sat down right before, because <laughs> there's a like a certain moment when uh, mm-hmm. like before a movie starts and yeah, all the, the trailers, trailers go through and you're like you're just kind of like oh like I'm going to see a movie but like I'm not and the
0: so- actively and then, thinking about what's going then on. The Sony sign comes up mm-hmm. and Chris just started laughing as soon as as soon <laughs> as the music
2: started playing, I was like oh my god. I look over to you and I'm like we're about to see Venom, dude. Oh my god, <laughs> as if to punish me. <laughs> <clears throat> There's something really cathartic about it, though, about making, <laughs> about forcing you, uh, to to see movies that you don't want to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it was, like it. Uh, it was a fun episode. It'd be worth watching. Mm-hmm. Here are. It
2: sucks in like the first maybe like five minutes or so. I think, I think we were kind of low energy. That's fine. But we picked we it just up. Woke up. We picked it up from pure yeah. anger over yeah, each yeah, other's yeah. perspectives. We just, got,
0: <laughs> we just got tilted and started, and we got more exciting. <laughs> um. But you guys are here that Thursday. Yeah, you got anything for today? Huh? Nah, nothing. You want to, nah, we're just gonna dude. end this right I'm a, now.
2: I'm a fucking plastic bag in the wind, dude. Just
0: <laughs> like one of those car dealership men.
2: Yeah, the uh, wacky blow way- up way- blow up boy, tube man, tube man. Yeah, just going with the flow,
0: dude. All right,
2: all right. Guess really podcast's over, guys. Thanks for coming. Bye.
0: That was, that was super interesting. What do you want to talk about, dude? I feel like there's no movie stuff to talk about this week. We normally start with movies. On a sports. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yeah. So, the NBA is doing something
2: that mm-hmm. is really important. Well, it started, that, for
0: one. The NBA regular season started. True. And that's fun. Which is probably
2: the most important
0: thing that the NBA could do. It's actually... <laughs> beat like play games <laughs> <Those two exist. laughs> actually do what they're meant to do mm-hmm. yeah your, your magic beat my heat so good work with mm-hmm. that I gotta give the public props it's a fun game though and then we won the next night so I'm I'm cool with it that's true Wizards. you guys played the Wizards yeah, in the second the game we lost to you by one and then we beat the Wizards by one
2: yeah two really close games we've so led the, the season se-
0: we've led the league in, like the last two seasons in one point games we,
2: we, dude we play the fucking Hornets tonight Kemba's going to roast oh your ass. Oh, my God. He's going to score like 60. Kemba's, yeah, if he put 40 <laughs> on
0: the bucks, what's he going to do to you who guys? Who knows,
2: though, dude? Like, we, we have a pretty
0: fucking solid
2: defense. Yeah,
0: but who's the one guy who's going to be guarding Kemba? Hmm? Jaron Grant. <laughs> or, <laughs> DJ who, or DJ Augustine, Gorin, who Gorin <laughs> fucking roasted. Also going to roast yeah, him. Gorin yeah, Gorin destroyed both of them. So what can Kemba do if Gorin can do that? <laughs> True. Yeah, it might get ugly. But, like, if Kemba scores 60, <clears throat> they'll score 80. That's how the Hornets. Go. Oh, the Hornets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yeah.
2: thought you were talking about uh, Jaren Grant and DJ I was <laughs> for a second, and I was like, if they if both score 80 points, yeah. Well, <laughs> if they scored sixty, I'd be fucking impressed. Yeah, i would be crazy, and, and
0: so happy. If they combined for twenty-five, we'd be impressed. I'd, I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be happy with them. Oh, look, you're competent role players. Well, like, yeah. yeah th- <laughs>
2: thank you for.
0: Because that's all that they have to do. If
2: if either one of them score twenty, they're doing more than what yeah, like exactly. what they should be doing. Really. Just
0: drop twelve. That's all mm-hmm. I ask. Uh, but yeah, the NBA season started. There's some fun games so far. But I think you're alluding to something more more important culturally. Yes, and that is the implementation of this new elite rule designated to the G League.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, for and, those
0: for those who don't know, the G League is the NBA's developmental league, akin to baseball's minor league program. Right. Uh, it's where players who aren't quite good enough to make an NBA roster go. They can develop their skills. They can work with NBA coaches and NBA facilities in the long-term goal of making an NBA roster. Mm-hmm. The new rule allows players who come right out of high school who are deemed as elite prospects, which we don't really know what that means yet. It hasn't mm-hmm. really been established. But they will be allowed to make $125,000 per year, whereas the normal G League salary is 35000 per year.
2: Is it thirty five thousand yes. per, per year? Yes. Okay. So they're going to make considerable considerably amount more, more money.
0: G League players also get free lodging during the season, so they don't have to pay rent during the season. Right. So the the, the thirty five is low for an a, like really low for an mm-hmm. athlete, but it goes further because they kind of take care of you. They're they're giving you food, they're giving you living space, all that kind of but stuff. But this is
2: basically just an alternative to the one and done rule. that has been implemented. Yeah.
0: You you have three options basically when you come out of high school. You can go to college mm-hmm. for one year. You can go overseas and play professionally in Europe or China, get paid, or you can play now. This this makes it now more likely for people to stay. These high end guys to stay, play one year in the G League, make their hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and then get drafted. Mm-hmm. The number specifically exists because there's this huge probe going on in NCAA basketball about the corruption and how everyone basically pays elite prospects. In order to recruit, roundabout ways to recruit them, mm-hmm. and the number that seems the most common is that these elite guys make about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for going year. to a college. Yeah, on okay. top of you know going to college. Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, so this alternative route that players can take when they come out of high school and go straight into the G League, they can make one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. But they also, well, will own their own rights to their name. So you can get a shoe deal,
0: you can do commercials, all these kinds of things. You can can make money off of
2: your likeness, which is something that is not allowed, illegal to the the NCAA. NCAA.
0: Yeah. Well, the NCAA has a lot of things that they can't do and it's all stupid.
2: So this brings about (laughs) a a bigger thing (laughs) uh, as far as just like the corruption of the NCAA, which even, so LeBron James comes out and is very vocal about
0: how corrupt the NCAA and is. LeBron was lucky because when when he was coming out of high school, the one and done rule didn't exist yet. That was that was he could go straight to the NBA. So he uh, was drafted in 2003. Yeah, the, uh, the famed 2003 draft. The
2: class. 2003 draft class, uh, number one overall, mm-hmm. straight out of high school. But that was before the 2005 collective bargaining agreement, yep. which basically that's what the NBA. That's the reason that we have the NBA as it is yep. now, where you have to be. Nineteen in order to um, be drafted Beyond, yeah, Beyond in order NBA to roster. be drafted and be on an NBA roster. We just had a weird okay? noise. I don't, sorry, <laughs> you didn't. Get- <laughs> that was weird. Was like, you just started looking
0: around. That got me. Uh, yeah. So, I think the interesting talk here is what how 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 many people are going to take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. What is it going to lead? I, I'm more interested in where it can go because I think the more the NBA puts into the G League, the better. That's my opinion of things. Okay. The more money they put into the G League, the more opportunities they give these G League guys, mm-hmm. and the more chances these guys have to develop. The better the league's going to be long term. I think you're going to have better role players to round out rosters with all this kind of stuff. And I think that bringing elite prospects to to the G League is going to enhance the watchability of the G league mm-hmm. because one of the things that going against these, that people think these guys might not take this opportunity is because the G league, you know, you're bus traveling around the country or you're, tra- you know, you're flying coach mm-hmm. and you're playing in these tiny arenas with nobody watching.
2: Well, that was like a, a quote from Adrian Wojnowski. Yeah. Right. He tweeted about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Watch what bomb, did he say? Woj bomb.
2: Yeah, his, his right response there. on Twitter was, I have doubts about how many top players will go this route. Talking about the G League yep. alternative for one, for uh, players coming out of high school. He says, I have doubts about how many top players will go this route. Some, yes. But G League is full of early connecting flights, small bus rides, small gyms. It isn't glamorous. Yep. Big time NCAA ball still Very has... glamorous. <clears throat> it isn't glamorous. Big time NCAA ball still has the trappings of exposure, packed houses, private jets will get paid there too.
0: Yep. That was his, yeah, <laughs> his low key dish, his jab at the NCAA. Cause I mean, they're finding out through this probe right now, how, you know, corrupt it all is, mm-hmm. how much money these, these players are actually making when they're not supposed mm-hmm. to be allowed to. And obviously this is going to lead down the line to the, just the whole argument about paying players in college sports in general, but we'll get, we'll get there. I think after we talk about specifically the G league, G league. thing, I think that, getting elite NBA prospects that would be one and done guys, guys that would go to Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky. The Ben Simmons of the world. Well, RJ Barrett, Zion Williams. For example, if this year, if RJ Barrett and Zion Williams could have gone to the G league, Williamson. Sorry. I said, I said Williams because I didn't know. Zion Williamson could have gone to the G league. I think that would have brought a lot of eyes to the G League. I think people want to watch them play. They know who they are, especially Zion. Zion's been like a YouTube I'm, sensation. Yeah, and
2: I'm going to watch the fuck out of Duke basketball yeah. this year just because they have R.J. Yeah. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish. Yeah, don't
0: forget Cam Reddish.
1: Mm-hmm. That, he, he slept on, dog. <laughs> he slept, slept on. He's, yeah. uh,
0: I think that you know if if this rule was implemented like a fucking year— fucking Ringo star <laughs>
2: of the Duke basketball
0: team right now. If, if this rule was implemented a year earlier and those guys could have and did go to the G League— I think it would have brought a lot of eyes to the G League.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think you would have had one; you would have had more people wanting to go see them play against the, these, you know, these in these smaller teams. And I think you could potentially bring more money to the G League that way. I think there's a chance that this whole thing makes the G League more fruitful monetarily, because mm-hmm. right now the NBA basically carries the G League and the WNBA in financially. The NBA makes money for all of them, right. and I think getting better talent in the G league can help with that because for that one year you can watch this 18 year old
2: well, with greater talent comes greater exposure and yeah. with greater exposure comes <clears> more <throat> money. Right. Yep. I literally say, so say if you have RJ Barrett or Zion Williamson going into the G league, right? Even if they're the only player, <clears throat> I would become someone who is currently not watching G League, yeah. any G League games to someone who becomes.
0: Like, you would seek them
2: out. You I, would want to watch you, those guys
0: play. You yeah. You gain a fan by doing that. Yeah. You uh, would specifically want to watch them play against better. They're playing better talent than you are in college. I was going to yeah so I was going <laughs> to I was going to
2: talk about that too because certain people talk about uh Euroleague play and stuff like that yep. Luca Doncic yeah. who who's been playing professionally in Europe since he Europe, was 15 or since something since he was fucking 15 16 yeah. or whatever since he was a fucking fetus um, <laughs> he's the Jacob Trembley of the of the <laughs> basketball world um, <laughs> uh, uh, but Luca is someone uh, a lot of people uh, lauded his abilities so much because was- of the Competition that he was playing in. He Euro was playing
0: league. better talent professionally than you would be playing in a in, college, in college setting. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and he and he was the fucking MVP. Yeah, he was, and that's why yeah, people. Are he's like, a prodigy. He's he's
0: mm-hmm. you know he's he's unprecedented in what he, he might become. But yeah, that's now you're playing. the The G League is loaded with dudes who have played overseas mm-hmm. or play here. They're working with NBA development teams all around the league. You're playing dudes that are on the fringes of being. The best of the the best of the best on these rosters filled with the best of the best. And one of the arguments against doing this for people is that specifically they say if you are an elite 18 year old Mm -hmm. and you want to go straight to the do this G League route, you might get beat up by these these older dudes. You might not be able to look as good for that one year. So it's going to hurt your draft status potentially. Because
2: if I'm RJ Barrett, you know, if I go to Duke, I'm playing. I, I'm also playing with you're playing all of with? these amazing, yeah. uh, elite 18, 18 year olds. elite eighteen-year-olds, and you're playing no one older than twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also I I can play fucking <clears throat> Georgia Southern Prep exactly. Technology of America, uh, fucking and destroy them. Yeah, and, and look really good. Exactly, and
0: yeah, like it, it could. Yeah, exactly. Potentially hurt your draft status. I think long term my opinion is that the G league is going to make you a better player long term than playing. I think that that's specifically. I think going up, it's like being the big brother to your little brother. If you go out in the front yard and you play catch with your little brothers, you're going to dominate them. Mm -hmm. If you go play, pick up football with kids, your own age, you're going to be a completely different level of class than you
2: are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's something that, comes up in wrestling a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're the best guy in the room, then you're not going to improve as much as if you were like, if you're like a mid tier player, like if, if you're a mid tier wrestler, (laughs) you know, you can work out shit that you're trying to work out on, like through live wrestling with people that are worse than you. And you also have these people that you can chase. Yeah. Um, these people that are going to work you, you know? So that's why it's good to, to be in that situation. But if you're not being the
0: best can help you in terms of growth. mm -hmm, Exactly.
2: But what are you trying to achieve? And I think that's
0: going to be the, 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 like the interesting thing. That's a big about this
2: alternative route.
0: If you can be the number one pick in the NBA, but going to the G league might drop you to the number three or four pick. Mm -hmm. You're losing money. Mm -hmm. You're losing money on your rookie deal. Every pick that goes down, you lose money.
2: Exactly. Because if you're, if you're drafted higher up in the draft,
0: you will make more money. Yeah, The number one pick makes the most money and, Mm -hmm. and so on. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see do do different people place more um, importance on their draft status or on their long term skill level development, their development as a player, exactly. And and I and
2: I, I thought I feel like this is going to um, be really interesting as far as evaluating players as well and evaluating their personalities. Yeah, because for sure, because what type of player is going to go into the G League and take this? G They're League probably more competitive. They're probably more like they're probably more
0: driven to get better at at their craft.
2: So, I mean, who who I thought of. Right. Even though that he might not have been like the elite level Mm -hmm. coming out of high school. But I felt like personality wise, an interesting person to evaluate in a situation like this, implanting him in this current situation. Jimmy Butler. Oh, right? yeah. Jimmy Butler. So if you have uh, someone like Jimmy Butler well, coming out of high school. he was nowhere near that.
0: Yeah, because he well, was, I mean, he was the 30th pick after spending <clears throat> multiple years in college. Mm-hmm. So he was nowhere near the type of person who's even going to get a sniff at this. Exactly. But, but his mentality.
2: Evaluating his personality yeah. and uh, and what he goes after, he would be the type that would probably go to the G yeah. League. Another one is probably like LeBron James. Oh, yeah. Like
0: LeBron he, instantly would have done that. Do you think he would? Yeah, for sure.
2: Here's Here's why I say he wouldn't. Uh, I think that he values himself in a. Certain That's way. true. That's true. Right? The so, exposure is important. Yeah, the exposure is important, and yeah. like, and obviously LeBron lucked out in the, being the able in, to go into yeah, the end. The one and done
0: rule didn't exist.
2: <clears throat> um, but if he had to choose between going to college or going to the through the G League, would he have? So, I, think, I kind of go back and forth. I think on
0: if it. you asked LeBron now, he would have told he would tell you he would go to the G League, mm-hmm. but because, because of his development. Y- and because he hates the NCAA. Mm-hmm. I don't know if back then. As an 18-year-old. As an 18-year-old. As as head on shoulders as he was as an 18-year-old. It's crazy how how put together this dude was from mm-hmm. a young age. Uh, I don't know if he would have known what the NCAA was. And if, if he did know, if he would have cared about striking out against it. I think it's possible. If anyone is that kind of person, it would have been LeBron. Is that type of? What do you mean by that type of? The person, person who would want to stick it to the NCAA, because
1: hmm.
0: I think that's another factor in this. Is if you how can, many people are going to say "fuck you"? Yeah,
2: exactly. Fuck that, which a lot of players, especially professional players, that don't don't care right now and are just that, that don't have anything to lose. Yeah, LeBron James and LeBron James is also very vocal. Yeah, um, I mean they're kind of they. have I think that mentality NBA that,
0: players. <clears throat> I think big figures in NBA are going to push this hard. I think I'm not going to be surprised if I see... Who's the number one high school guy right now?
2: Uh, it's a, that's still in high school or yeah, in college? Still in right high now? school. Um, who's a big one?
0: Fuck.
1: Because
2: uh, I, I, I mix them up. I also like. I have very like specific knowledge of specific yeah. positions, because, because I'm a Magic fan. Yeah, so I know like, that like, who's the point guard. <laughs> oh, I know that R.J. Hampton is like is uh, is a top prospect. All right, well, use, I mean, there's so an R.J. Hampton.
0: So R.J. Hampton, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron James tweet after R.J. Hampton has a huge high school game. You know, you just see you see it on like YouTube. So you watch R.J. Hampton drop 45 on so and so high school. I wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron James tweet, "I see you, R.J. Hampton." You know, and then say some like, "gonna looking forward to watching you work in the G League next year," something like that, where right. he kind of persuades young guys to take this route. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see stuff like that.
2: Yeah, that that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Fucking like LeBron's existence in the NBA is so fucking fascinating. Oh yeah, it's like, crazy. so you know how I brought this up? <clears throat> uh, we we watched the the Lakers versus the Trailblazers yep. uh, last night. Yeah. Was that last night? Yeah. As of
0: reporting, it was last night.
2: And uh, the Lakers are so bizarre. They're messy because they have so many old players as well as young players. Yeah. Um, and these young players literally grew up seeing fucking LeBron play,
0: win rings and stuff.
2: And there was like certain times when you can see them on the court where you're. It forces me to wonder what
0: they're thinking on the court. Are they Are they thinking that they have to give LeBron the ball? Mm -hmm. Are they? sort of using him as a crutch to what's happening on the court.
2: Well, and how enamored are they with the presence that is LeBron? I mean, he's fucking Superman on the court. Um, and I just recently saw a picture of Brandon Ingram, who is one of the more uh, younger he's elite. Who's the number, talents, pick the number uh, two pick in the draft? Number two pick in the draft, right? But I saw a, a picture of him when he was in middle school or something wearing LeBron James, jersey. <laughs> and now That's he's so playing weird. with LeBron. Yeah, it's crazy. He, I mean, literally side <laughs> by side with him. So, I mean, how do you, how do you approach that as a professional player? It's it's yeah. fucking super interesting.
0: It's very interesting. Yeah. I think all of this is going to lead us to, and we should, we should talk about it, the NCAA itself and why I think me and you would agree that anything that all of these sports uh, leagues can do to take away from the NCAA is good. What do you mean? So the G league getting bigger and more influential hurts Mm -hmm. the NCAA. Right. I think the more they can put into that, the better. Right. I think if the NFL created a minor league program or if there was a there's the the American Football Federation or something is being formed with mm-hmm. those like 6 teams once one yeah if that can be something where players can get paid to go develop themselves further and then mm-hmm. come back and make the N- NFL similar to the way guys do with Canada right now the more of these things that exist to me the better the more that people can go out <clears throat> and get legally paid for something they're great at and not be forced into this weird half existence that is being a college athlete Mm -hmm. because the, the argument about being a college athlete is, but you're getting a free education. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Are you, you know that I'm a huge Aaron Foster fan. Mm -hmm. Aaron Foster uh, was a running back a long time for the Houston Texans. He played one year on the dolphins, very outspoken guy. He has a really great podcast called the now what podcast, and he is super vocal about this stuff. He hates the NCAA. He played in Tennessee. And he talks about how he got paid while he was there. He admits it. People hmm. paid him for paid for his stuff and things like that. He uh, always talks about one, one of the huge things that he'll point out is, is debating the argument of you're getting a college education and that's your payment. Your payment for your work is your education and that it's free. And that's if you're on scholarship, his argument against that is his, his, Specific experience. His first hand account. And he'll tell you that. Yes you can get an education. But you can't get the education you want. Necessarily. When he was at Tennessee. He wanted to study. Uh, astronomy. He wanted to study space and stuff. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let him. They were like, no, your class, wor- the class work the classwork
2: Because you your your schedule literally has to fit around. You have your to athletics.
0: be every day. You need to be up and you need to get your lift in. We have people that are gonna follow you to make sure you're going to your classes. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have to do practice and then you have to do film study. Uh, this is like every day you have hours that are dedicated to football. Right. Your full time job is being a football player. Or, or whatever sport that you're involved in. Whatever sport in. you're right. playing, yeah. And then on top of that, you're supposed to be a student.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you, they literally don't let you study the th- specific things because the course load, they know it will take away from your football time. He couldn't study astronomy. How crazy is that? How can you be, pro- be told, you're being promised by these, pe- by these coaches and stuff, we're going to give you a free education to come play football for us. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, they handcuff you. Mm-hmm. They don't let you fully explore the options of what college presents. That's crazy to me. That's
2: really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really think about that. Like, I... <clears throat> the... Fuck, that's really heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, you get an, 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 an education, but... Not the one not you want, the one necessarily. You want. Because, first and foremost, like, you're you're going to be an athlete.
0: Yeah, that's the... In their eyes, that's... It's called student-athlete, but it's athlete-student. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the the phrase that you can use. Because you know they say, "Look at all these student athletes we have." We're so proud of our student athletes, but really, you have to put athlete first before student.
2: I think that, like, the, the thing that's just so bizarre um, uh, for me, as far as evaluating why student athletes do not get paid, mm-hmm. um, why they can't get paid, is the fact that, like, you can have sort of the reverse situation, right? So, say you take someone like Shaq, mm-hmm. right? Shaq spent three years at LSU, yeah, right, and when then he left LSU early. So that he could drafted got drafted number one overall by the Orlando Magic um, had an illustrious NBA career yes uh, but went back to LSU to finish yeah. his bachelor's degree right He didn't go back until eight years mm. into, uh, into the league or something like that um, I think he was drafted in 92 and then he graduated with a bachelor's degree from LSU in like 2000. okay um, but you can go back and get your degree while you're a professional athlete, right? But if you play sports for that school, you can't be paid
0: while you're from that school.
2: And like the only difference is the fact that the fucking school is going to like your is, is where the money's coming from.
0: So this is where, this is where it really gets me kind of frustrated and angry as to why this is such a big deal. College sports is a multi million maybe billion dollar industry Mm -hmm. they make so much money the coaches of these sports get paid so much money they're what like the the highest paid uh, i think nick saban might be the highest paid coach in sports Mm -hmm. it's crazy how much money these guys get and you find out that most of them are covering up scandals i mean we just found out about all this urban meyer stuff and none of that seemed genuine on his end and that has nothing to do with the student athlete. That has to do with sexual harassment and stuff like that. It's even worse. But
2: but that's, that's kind of like it's a, different, a different issue. It's a different, it's a different, issue. different
0: issue. It's but it's, the fact It just speaks to the corruption within NCAA. But
2: your main focus for these college sports are student athletes. Yeah. That like, are these talents. Mm-hmm. That is the main thing. That is your money maker. Yeah. And they don't make You're
0: anything. You're making millions of dollars on the backs of the athletes, and the athletes don't get anything from it except their free education free education they can't help their family with that in the immediate a lot of these these people come from mm-hmm. places where they need that's why the G league thing if you need the money right now to help your family you're gonna go to the G league and get that hundred twenty five thousand dollars right that's huge right that's huge and I just don't see why the NCAA I mean I see why it's because they want they want to keep the money for themselves but there has to be a way to get it to where these guys are getting where not just these guys all college athletes are getting some sort of stipend for the work they're doing because you can get a call you can get a work-study job in college and get paid for it right if you're a regular student i can go work in the college library and i can make minimum wage while i'm working there Mm -hmm. why are these athletes not being treated the same way why is this not a work-study program Mm -hmm. it's the same thing you're putting in more time than those than those students are exactly It's crazy. Yeah,
2: and like, and beyond just um, the the immediacy of like exchange, you know, Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm putting in this work for this sport, and this sport makes this much money. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I should be receiving a portion of that money, which literally is every job that you that you go into, right? Uh, Not only the problem with that, but the fact that you don't own your likeness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like there is uh, a, a couple years ago. There was a kicker for UCF, and yeah. he wasn't even like the main kicker. He was like this, like uh, he was like a special teams kicker, uh, What's all the kickoff are guy. All Special teams. But no, the, the, kickoff the kickoff specialist. Kickoff specialist. It was specifically what I meant. Um, not spe- obviously, all kickers. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, his name was. I got it right here. Hold on. <laughs>
1: oh, okay,
2: so his name was Donald De La Haye. Okay. Right. And he. It's a good name. Donald De La Haye. De La (laughs) Uh, But he ran a YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, Like when he uh, grew up uh, playing sports and stuff, his uh, parents would always have a video camera, like recording him play sports and stuff. And that sort of evolved into his love of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And he would always make sketches and stuff like that about high school. um, But he evolved his YouTube channel. And.
0: So the YouTube channel wasn't. Him being like, hey, I'm a kicker from UCF. Watch me do these kicking things.
2: Now, admittedly, I haven't gone into this. this uh, guys. You haven't watched every video or any, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, and I also haven't gone, I don't know how much he integrates being a UCF mm-hmm. kicker, um, but I have seen quotes of him saying, like, it's not like I'm saying, hey, I'm a UCF kicker. Yeah. Um, and he's also, he he's not
0: piggybacking to- the. the- his school to get his YouTube up.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's not piggybacking his own exposure yeah. in order to, uh, in order to sell his YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was monetizing his YouTube, and that's against NCAA rules. Yeah, because he was making money off of his likeness that's and off so of crazy. his exposure.
0: Um, so it's weird. Being a UCF uh, let's say I'm a student at UCF. I'm just mm-hmm. a regular student. I'm right. studying English or something. If I make a YouTube channel and I get monetized, am I allowed to do that? Because I'm not a student athlete. Yes, you're absolutely allowed
2: That's to. so stupid. You're absolutely allowed to, but because you're not involved with uh, being an athlete. That's Because crazy. student athletes get more exposure, and if you're trying to make money off that exposure, but even this guy, Donald Daly, hey, he's like, I'm not selling autographs. Yeah. You know, I'm just making it, I'm like, just this tertiary or a YouTube channel, right? But the NCAA warned him and said, uh, if you don't demonetize mm-hmm. your YouTube yeah, channel... Yeah, you can have your YouTube channel, you just can't make money off of it. Exactly. Um, if you... Uh, unless you demonetize your uh, YouTube channel, you're going to lose your eligibility. And what what happened? He said, fuck you guys. Yeah. Didn't uh, demonetize his YouTube channel and he lost his eligibility. doesn't play
0: football anymore. Jeez. Hopefully his YouTube following went up though. Yeah.
2: I, th- I, I think, hope. I mean, I think he's, I think he's doing just fine. I he's got
1: like 50,000 followers okay, or yeah, something like that. Good. Way good. more than us. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: good for you, man. Yeah. Um, but it's just bullshit. Like it, it yeah. seems, like, and I also don't want to, I don't want to discourage anything that we might be missing. You know, like what is it? Yeah. We just, don't
0: know everything about, yeah, yeah. We don't
2: know the ins and outs of the, of fucking managing this huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like, but what is the argument against it? That isn't greed? That's what I want to know. I want to not about money. No, you, what you, is it? Yeah,
0: exactly. So I think just to play devil's advocate, I can maybe, I think maybe, I think it's just tradition. College football has a certain tradition to it. And people that like college football, a lot of times associated to the fact that they think that these athletes are playing for the love of the game. And they say, I don't like pro football. I like college football because these athletes play because they love football, not because they're trying to get mm-hmm. money.
2: When but there's more bullshit. to it. I wouldn't say it's 100% bullshit. I would say there's more that goes into it. Yeah. You know, because obviously... Like the if majority you're of football,
0: people playing college football or any college sport... I mean, obviously you love the game. But I think the majority of these guys or girls in any sport are trying to get drafted. Especially in the major sports. If you're talking if you're talking about specific... you're trying to be like an Olympian if mm-hmm. you're like a swimmer or something or like that. Or a wrestler. Or a wrestler, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, there's there's different routes that you're trying to get to after college, just like any college experience. I'm trying to get my degree to get this type of job. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't get a football degree that doesn't exist. You just play football to get to the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a misconnect there. in the idea that just cause someone loves the game doesn't mean that's their main drive. Mm-hmm. I would argue that most people, especially in college football and basketball are trying to get drafted.
2: Now, there's a, a majority of student athletes right are not getting scholarships correct
0: I have no idea I don't I've never heard anything about I, I, the numbers for anything like that
2: but okay so say if uh, you're you're a backup you're a third string quarterback for X university mm-hmm. right and you're not receiving a scholarship those NCAA rules still apply to you you still for real? don't they I don't know. If you receive, like, if you are not receiving a scholarship, don't you still fall still fall under the the rules that well, the are the NCAA? Yes, yeah. yeah. Because it's not like
0: yeah, yeah. That no, that makes sense. Like, why, why would the the quarterback holding a clipboard every game mm-hmm. be allowed to make money?
2: And there, I mean, and this it, this fucking topic is so much bigger than us. It's, ben, d- I mean, it's very dense. We're, 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 we're it's very dense. It's so legal. Yeah. Like, so we're kind of backseat quarterbacking it. We're yeah. like, oh, well, like this is what we should do. It's
0: not illegal in terms of the law of the land, though. It's illegal in terms of the NCAA's rules. Exactly.
2: What makes you eligible to the yes. NCAA?
0: Yes. In America, anyone can make money doing anything. Uh, okay. So,
2: so not legal, but it yeah. is the 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 fucking
0: it's the rules it's, it's fine created. print it's
2: yeah it's rules yeah. it's it, it's it's but it's it fucking it has the uh the complexity of of
0: legality yeah certainly <clears throat> but i yeah i think but you know you were trying to think of other reasons that the ncaa could have for not paying paying athletes and i really can't think of anything outside of maybe just being you're stuck in the ways that it's always been and that makes me think about baseball too. I think I told there's like that new commercial for baseball right before the playoffs started. And it was, it was Ken Griffey Jr. narrating a commercial and they were showing highlights and guys flipping bats. And it was basically Ken Griffey Jr. talking about being, uh, letting the young and young players and players from other cultures celebrate the sport while they're playing it in the ways that they always have and not being so traditionalist. Mm-hmm in the way you think about baseball and the tagline at the end of the commercial was let the kids play. And it kind of is the same idea to me in when it comes to I think we're in a time where more and more we're getting more okay with uh is eschewing the word eschewing tradition. Mm-hmm. That's the right word, right? eschewing tradition to improve the product. Right. And to make things the right rather than what they've always been. Just because something's always been some way doesn't mean it's right.
1: Right.
2: And, and, but it, it, it caters to a fucking millennial mindset too, yeah, because certainly. it's so individualistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think that's why it, it's, what's so fascinating about the NBA and why the NBA has evolved so quickly because yep. they made it so star centered, yep. you know, like it's
0: the most player driven league in sports. Exactly. Um,
2: but yeah, like that, that individual, uh, individualism of the NBA, like it kind of, yeah, excuse tradition. Yeah. And if there's anybody that fucking hates tradition for, tradition, for tradition's sake, me. <laughs> I fucking hate... I like, I'm, I'm in the United States Navy, and there are tons of things that are just tradition for tradition's sake. Yep. Like, and rules that exi- just exist to be rules. Yeah. And, like, I'm not allowed to be in uniform and keep my hands in my
0: pockets. You can't have a... You can't, like... I have a drink or something, right? So I can hold
2: a drink, but I can't drink a drink while in uniform and walk at the same time.
0: You've so wait, if you're like on the sidewalk, you have to stop.
2: I stop, take the drink,
0: and then you put can it walk down again? and then walk again. That's so stupid. <laughs> oh God.
2: And someone can see that, you know, like a higher up can see yeah. that. See me breaking the rules and yell at me for it. Yeah. Right? And Berate the only you. but the only reason that you could potentially yell at me for that reason is because you're upholding tradition because those are the rules because this is the military.
0: You're not Um, hurting anybody. You're not,
2: but we're not, we're we're not talking about the military, but like it, it it kind of goes into that, like that the tradition for tradition's sake. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy fucking progression and fucking like sort of, I, yeah, I I, I always
0: admire people that are trying to find the, the ways to make things better than they are. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think anything's ever done. Mm-hmm. Nothing's ever finished, you know, evolving. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes doubly for cultural and societal things. Everything can always grow to the next point.
2: Cause you see it in basketball as well. Like you see uh, people who think that, um, the, the, the three pointer ruined the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, people that think that the, the Warriors ruined the NBA. Um, yeah.
0: Get out of here! But
2: I mean, but, but the the thing is, like when you see Steph Curry making a fucking thirty five foot shot, you know, like dodging three people and then throwing up a mm-hmm. a three pointer, like, and you have someone that says, like, oh, that's not supposed, that's not the spirit of the NBA. That's not the, um, like like what you should be doing is like continually passing the ball in order to get shots closer to the, spirit the basket. Spirit of the NBA
0: is put the ball through the hoop, right. In the at the end of the day, basketball is about but putting the ball in the hoop.
2: Even like the most progressive sort of like analytical fucking Daryl like is the Houston Rockets, you know? Yeah. Like and they don't only shoot threes, like
0: they just don't shoot mid-range shots. They shoot exactly. high percentage but shots. But they still yeah. try
2: to get to the basket. Yeah. You know, like that is I still mean, something the wor- that's it's
0: not that the Warriors don't not do that. The Warriors are actually like middling in three point attempts. Yes. yeah, People are have a misconstrued idea of the Warriors because of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson.
2: And like, and that sort of like brings up like highlight culture too, yeah. like how people Certainly. actually consume the NBA. They're scrolling yeah. through Instagram and they yeah. see Steph Curry doing weird shit.
0: My thing with, specifically talking about the NBA, when someone says the Warriors ruin the NBA, so your argument is that they ruin the NBA because they win every year and no one can beat them. First of all, you're punishing them for being good at what they're supposed to be good at. But second of all, the NBA has always been dynasty driven. Mm -hmm. It's the only sport like that Mm -hmm. before the Warriors existed. The Heatles existed for, you know, that six year span before they existed. The Lakers with Kobe existed. And before they existed, Michael Jordan existed with the bulls and it goes back, back all the way to Bill Russell on the Celtics. It's always been like that. Mm -hmm. There's always been that team that dominates.
2: But so the devil's advocate perspective of that, right? Is, is the magnitude of their dominance, better or uh is is the magnitude of their dominance even more than the the previous dynasties right so even zach lowe brought up in his podcast that like the warriors are more dominant than any other yeah like usually when you had these uh previous dynasties you would have a couple teams like even when you challenge them even when you had the michael jordan bulls uh uh, there were people that were like, oh, well, you know, the Jazz could get them this year. You know, like you still had the Rockets. You yeah, know, but we say were-
0: that now about the Rockets and the Celtics. It's Or the Cavs when LeBron was there. It's We don't not have that. We I were mean, a Chris Paul injury away from the Warriors not being in the finals last year. Yeah, yeah. They're not untouchable. I don't, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a defeatist approach to being a fan of sports. It drives me crazy.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I also don't think that it, ruins the NBA no, because not just notice like gauging my own interest in the sport and how it's grown in the past two years like I was a huge fan of the NBA uh during like the Tracy McGrady era yeah. and then sort of like overlapping into the Dwight Howard era
0: when your team was successful
2: yes yeah you know and that was kind of like the only time in Once they fell off again, we traded away Dwight Howard. We still haven't been back to the playoffs and there was like a maybe four or five year period where I fucking didn't watch basketball because my team was bad. Mm -hmm. Now,
0: last year... The Magic are still bad. (laughs) Last
2: year, still like... uh, They they played really well at the beginning of the year which kind of aided that. Um, But the NBA is so fucking fascinating right now and it's at its height as far as Mm -hmm. just success. Um, And the idea that the Warriors are in the NBA. The Warriors are in basketball. Just it, it it's just kind of it's silly. Just because
0: the Warriors exist doesn't mean you don't want to watch Ben Simmons play basketball. Yeah, it's so it's so silly to mm-hmm. me.
2: But I also do
0: get the like,
2: fuck, I wish you like. It, it is a little bit less compelling when you kind of know that the Warriors are going to win. I, I like mean, when it, I sim when I yeah. sim a season in two K, right, and the Warriors don't it's win, fr- you're like that's stupid. You're like that's stupid.
0: I think it's more stupid when the Warriors get bounced in the first round by the eight seed. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. But I mean, the NFL has been the same way for the last 10 years. You kind with of go into the season expecting the Patriots are going to win. Right. And if you are, you know, if you're a gambler, you've come out on top with that because I think they've won six out of the last 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I might be wrong about the number, but in the last like 15 years, they've been dominant. And right. Not every sport is like that, but I, there's always going to be those teams that are up there. And I, I I agree with you that it doesn't take it away from me personally, but I can see why someone might be less interested, but I still don't understand if you like basketball, why that makes you not want to watch basketball. It doesn't make sense to me. And it's
2: also something, it's an idea that we've gotten used to just because our teams are respectively, we know that they're not going to be NBA contenders yeah they're not right?
0: yeah the Heat and the Magic are not going to be in the finals
2: like there's like a weird like purity that comes from that because you're just watching basketball for basketball yeah. you know and you're like watching your,
0: you're watching other. like we were watching the Heat Magic game on opening night and we had the Bucks Hornets game on another TV on silent mm-hmm. just because we want to just consume all the basketball <laughs> like we want to watch Giannis and we want to watch Kemba and mm-hmm. we want to see how Mike Budenholzer changed the Bucks which by the way Three City jeez bucks are scary i
2: do, i think that they're like the most intriguing team they're scary, in the East man. this year Woo! like it, it, as, as far as like most compelling like i would say it's like bucks and then celtics yeah the celtics i mean you have these returning well, players you, you know that they're going to be, to be good the yeah. but the bucks were such an underperforming team last year mm. uh and then you know they they bring in budenholzer they bring in brook uh robin lopez brook Brooke. Brooke. God Brooke. damn it.
0: Roll those uh, on the bulls beating up mascots. That's right.
2: Brooke Lopez. They bring in Brooke Lopez. They bring in Ilya Sova. Mm-hmm. They draft White Dante. White Dante. Uh, shout God. out. Um, They're they're just so fucking... They look more fun to watch. Oh, yeah, certainly. There was so many times when I was watching them uh, play against the Celtics last year, because I was already sort of a Bucks fan just because of Giannis. Giannis, yeah. Giannis and, is super likable. And, and their roster is just so full mm-hmm. of talent. And long boys. And they are a team that, like, on 2K, they always fucking win the championship yeah. because they have so much on-paper talent. Yep. Um, but they sort of underperformed. And last year was kind of... Uh, we blame
0: Jason Kidd. Th-
2: but specifically when it got to the the playoffs, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's kind of a weird situation because the Celtics just proved how good they were. Yeah, so, like, immediately when they lose a, a Game 7 series against the Celtics when they don't have Kyrie or Gordon Hayward... Mm-hmm. Uh, Everybody's like, oh, well, like, the Bucks just lost to, like, mini Celtics. Yeah. You know, all the young Celtics. Like, they must suck. Like, how how dare you do that? But then the Celtics beat the, yeah. the 76ers. And then they take LeBron to Game seven, seven games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were six minutes away from actually going I mean, to the in finals. I mean, re- in
0: all reality, the Celtics were way better than the Cavs. The Cavs just had LeBron James. Yeah. They just had the best player exactly. on the planet.
2: Exactly. And fucking, I, I don't, and That's nobody really, of him. nobody... Now that you have sort of the uh, hindsight's twenty twenty mm-hmm. the Celtics were really good even without Gordon and without Kyrie.
0: Well, now there's talk that is Jason Tatum actually their best player already? It's pretty crazy.
2: I think that's uh, compelling. I would still say that Kyrie's better. Gordon Hayward's still better. I just, there hasn't been. Enough- I don't know
0: if Gordon Hayward is better. I think Al Horford's probably more well-rounded
2: really you think that that Al, Horford, Al Horford is better on. than Jason Tatum
0: I think Al Horford slept on in the hierarchy I would say that he's
2: more important to this I think that he's, he's like
0: the cog that makes the Celtics work I exactly think.
2: yeah yeah i like as far as like the importance of the the Celtics uh success yeah. I would say that it's like Brad Stevens and then Al, Al Horford. Horford yeah I'd, so I would agree with you there yeah. like he is the most important player on mm-hmm. the roster um but is he the best I don't know
0: Oh yeah, like if you were to assign a 2k rating, mm-hmm. I don't know. Kyrie would probably be the highest.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. like Kyrie, Gordon Hayward and then Jason Tatum yeah. and then um like Al Horford, Jalen yeah. Brown.
0: Maybe. We got any more basketball? Mm. Mm. Did, did we mm. Did we uh espouse our ideas about that enough? Yeah, I think we can move, on. I think you move got any, on. You got any other sports stuff? No, not really. You? No, not really. I think Pat Mahomes is dope. <laughs> That's it? I think Pat Mahomes is really good at football. <laughs> That's my impression of Pat Mahomes. In all reality, I'm not joking. I think Pat Mahomes is like the future of football. That dude's crazy good. I really don't know jack about football anymore.
2: Like, i like I, I'm, i I fucking, I grew up playing football, played it in high school and watched a lot of football, especially college football, mm-hmm. like growing up and watching the Gators fucking and like the NBA did for me in that like four to five, uh, season stretch. I
0: Addison just stopped Tebow watching it. You stopped watching. I yeah. stopped
2: watching. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just kind of like a, a, a tertiary interest. But of, the
0: Lions and Dolphins play this weekend, dude. We have to get hype about it. Mm hmm. Don't you want to like your team to beat my team really bad? No, that's kind of okay. Either <laughs> way, I'll live. Yeah, I guess you beat me. Uh, the Magic beat the Heat. So now I have to beat you.
2: So I kind of want to move out of sports. All right. All right. So I, I watched this uh, YouTube video uh, recently um, okay. from this guy named, On- I might be fucking so pronouncing this wrong, but his name is Andre Turbia. Andre Turbia. Okay. Uh, And he's a YouTube animator. Fucking really talented dude. And he has like a million followers on YouTube. But he uh, made this video about why he didn't... uh, I think the title was like why he didn't decide to work with uh, Kylie Jenner. Oh, So he was... uh, This YouTube animator was approached by a third-party company to work on this Kylie Jenner project. And they...
0: animating, he's going to animate something like for her project. Yes. Okay.
2: Um, and this, uh, third party, um, told him we don't have a lot of money, but you will obviously get a lot of exposure from working on this project. Mm -hmm. And he said no. And, uh, basically he, he believes in, he condemns the exchange of work for exposure Okay. Um and I thought like this was a interesting example uh that would like b- bring out the like the philosophies of art and how you should approach it and like the different because people feel differently about that. Yeah, obviously. Um and because when obviously there is I- exposure has value. Mm-hmm. You know, and we d- were just talking about exposure in the the G League. Yeah. Um and within art itself fucking movies pay fucking millions of dollars for billboards for trailers and for marketing co- like a lot of times, the people that are in charge of making the movies aren't the ones that are making the trailers. It's fucking yeah, it's marketing. A, it's, a, it's a marketing company, yeah. right? Um, but people that are geared for oh, how can we expose this movie in the right way? Yeah, and that's how you. It, a lot of times, it'll result in like bonkers. It's baffling shit.
0: how often they get it wrong. Yeah, when that's their profession. Yeah, yeah,
1: and and weird. but but it's it's
2: weird. It's also weird how like certain companies will market to a different. Um, a, dem- a Demographic? Different, uh, not demographic, but specifically countries. Oh, okay. Right? Fucking marketing companies market to Americans in a way more dumb way yeah. <laughs> than they do to, like, England. Okay. Um, That's interesting. Like, uh, you can see examples of this kind of thing with... Um, there was a, a movie that came out called... Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, zombies, yeah, right. With Lily James. So the trailer that came out in America was like, "Oh, this is a horror movie." Yeah, I remember that. Right, and the movie or the trailer that came out that there was released in the UK was way more nuanced and way more like, "Oh, this is sort of tongue in cheek." Yeah, Uh, which I think that movie is. It's It's more tongue in cheek. -cheek It's supposed to be sort of like like dark comedy and like
0: and aware of itself. Mm -hmm. Well, here's another example: horrible marketing is. The, the the film previously known as edge of tomorrow now known as live die repeat mm-hmm. that movie was marketed horribly right in no way did it represent like any part of what the tone of that movie was it just seemed like a generic action flick mm-hmm. and it ended up being this really nuanced kind of tongue-in-cheek dark comedy action thriller like it, it was a lot of things clumped into one movie and it's a great movie but it bombed because it was marketed so poorly Mm -hmm. this is another example of that yeah
2: and and i i didn't uh, specifically want to bring up like how uh you should be exposing movies but the the idea of exposure exposure itself yeah and its relationship with money and your intentions uh in why you want to build your art right so okay now andre turbia this animated youtuber
0: Mm -hmm. uh yeah wait he's not animated Huh? He's animated.
2: That's, That's crazy. He, well, yeah, maybe he, he did kind of have like an interesting personality. It <laughs> uh, was a little bit high energy. Um, no, but in, uh, YouTube animator, excuse me. Um, but he felt that you have to value your value yourself as an artist, and if you have people coming to you to uh, in order uh, for you to provide a service, that you have to um, that you should be paid. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, he of, doesn't
0: say you should be paid X amount. He just said you should be paid. Exactly. Okay. And,
2: and you need to, like, say if you're just starting out and someone comes up to you and says, hey, can you animate this specific project for me? Right? If you're shitty, you know, fucking maybe $1 an hour is mm-hmm. what you're worth, but at least have a worth mm-hmm. is the thing. Um, and it's weird in a, in a weird way. Like, just... As an individual and as an artist, like I kind of disagree with them.
0: Yeah, because should your art be about making money or should it be about the art?
2: It should always should like it be
0: about the. the and,
2: and people approach art for different yeah. reasons. You know, some people like want to become a rap artist because they want to make money. Yeah, you know, and if that's if that's what you want to do, that's your prerogative. I don't care. I mean, if if, but, I want to make art and I want to create for creation's sake that mm-hmm. uh, to me, that is what's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to make money. It's not to get exposure. Um, I don't care if I get rich or famous. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is make the things that I want to make Yeah. and just live off of that and not have a fucking regular job. Yeah. Um, but it gets into a weird, hairy situation because the more exposure you get, the more money you get, the more that you're able to do that job. And yeah, especially exactly. with something like filmmaking, right? It's not like writing a novel. There's like, so
0: much money involved in it.
2: it. There's so much money involved in it, and you need resources in order to make a better thing, yeah. right? Um, like, f- at least for the most part, you can't make, like, the less money you have, the worse money, the worst movie that you're going to make.
0: In- most cases. In most
2: cases, Yeah. right? But it say if you uh take like novels, mm-hmm. um it doesn't matter how much money you have. Exactly. Limitless you could be budget. literally fucking Limitless broke. Budget. You could be in a white room with a pen and a paper mm-hmm. and you can write one of the greatest novels of all time. Yeah. Um but if you're a fucking broke filmmaker, it doesn't matter how, how much vision you have, you're not going to be able to make Godfather. Yeah. You know?
0: Um and you certainly can't make like a blockbuster right. style movie if that's what you wanted to do. You just can't do it.
2: Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it, it is all like a sort of a weird. It's like I feel like I'm. Oh Ooh. God, I feel like I'm kind of contradicting myself. Okay. In a way, because we were just talking about student athletes in college and how they deserve to be paid. That's not art. A, That's a weird semantic conversation. I feel like sport is art. I feel like
0: sport is art. Explain.
2: Okay, so I like under the umbrella of creation, right? Like, like of what is art? I feel like sports should fall under that. And I think sport is entertainment. Is entertainment not art?
0: Not if it's sports. To,
2: to, To me, I think that if me watching Jordan Burroughs do a double leg right is just as poetic as anything that fucking Emily Dickinson could write it is you're seeing someone that is trying to to master a craft you're seeing someone that is and if if it is entertainment then to me entertainment is is art you know that that's why mm. why do you think that sport is not art
0: cuz i don't think it's it's not creativity from the same place you're not you're not creating things for storytelling or for imagery or for something like that you are creative in the sense of i'm a great running back i'm great at i'm creative in the way my body moves mm-hmm. in in the, and not even like dancing dancing you're creative in the way your body moves but it's for performance and for expression when you're a running back the way your body moves you're not you're, you're not creating these movements is a form of expression. You're creating and these movements as a way of not letting that dude tackle you. I would,
2: I would argue that like there's people like Ben Simmons who are expressing themselves just as much through through sport as a painter is through a canvas. Really? Absolutely. What about Absolutely.
0: What about Ben Simmons? Not not about him, what he's physically doing, but about who he is makes you think that. I think because I think you could maybe argue that for someone like Joel Embiid because he's more expressive and he's more. Uh, He's more of a performer on the court. Okay. So I, now I don't think that your
2: personality, because, okay, the difference between Ben Simmons and Joel, right, that you're kind of bringing up here is like their, their expressiveness personality wise, right? But you don't have to have an expressive personality to be an expressive artist. No, you don't. You don't. That's true. Right. Like, so I could, I could be a, a deaf mute painter and still have a very expressive, like I can express my perspective Mm -hmm. and express my, yeah, I, 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 sorry, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but yeah, I just feel like the, the mastering of a craft and, I feel like it's just as expressive. I feel like it, it, hmm. it, it, it depends on like what your semantics are as far as when it comes to art, because obviously you're not t- you're not telling a story, you're not no. telling a narrative, but you're not really
0: doing that with. I don't think you're really expressing an idea when you're playing a sport either. Outside of I'm trying to execute to the fullest of my capability to win the game.
2: Do you feel like the competition is? Uh, the i
0: think competition is the opposite of creativity i think competition har- hurts being creative i see i think that's
2: it that's an interesting thing because i think that it can be sort of it's a it's a pro-con scenario i think that competition can aid it it, and can, it can fuel you
0: as an individual to want to make better art than the person you're competing with
2: but i mean like brian de palma talks about his uh his competition and his compete, his competing with Martin Scorsese all the time. And he talks about oh, how that like drives
0: f- him to make better movies. Yeah.
2: And, um, I think, I I I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I think I'm that it can it more... be, I, th- I think it, uh, that that competition can be detrimental to, I think competition
0: well. can be individually, uh, motivating, but I don't think that like, I think the, the nature of the box office mm-hmm. creates a competitive nature to films, to mm-hmm. making movies, right? that actually hurts movie making as a whole. Because I think then you can't get movies made of specific genres or specific budget frames. All these kinds of things can't exist because it's not viable financially. Because we're competing to make the most money every weekend. That is what I'm talking about when I say that competition hurts art. Is when you attach monetary value to things. And I think in sports, I mean, we were just talking about how it's wrong that college athletes aren't getting paid because of all the money the sports make right I think in sports pretty much all sports are driven by money at its core it's an enter it's that's why entertainment is different but so are movies yes but I'm saying they shouldn't be I don't know how sports exist without that I don't know how anyone chooses to play football without making millions of dollars I don't care how much you love football you're putting your life at risk but Football absolutely
2: can exist without financial gain. It can me and you
0: We could go play catch. Can, yeah. Like that's but, a different, but we can that's get a, our friends
2: but we can get our friends together and we are creating our own game. We that's are a different
0: animal. Obviously obviously
2: we're not NFL players, dog.
0: Yeah, but I I think that then you're just having fun. You're I don't think you're creating I think we're just thinking of the of creativity in a different way. Okay. I don't think you're creating something. I think you're just having a good time. You're exerting yourself physically. You're exercising, and okay. you're having fun with your friends. That seems different than creating something to me. Okay. Is that what the crux of this is? You wanted to dive into creativity, or I'm is there no, a different? No,
2: no, it kind of went to a different like like what is is sport art that we.
0: Yeah, we started talking about that. Okay, so I, I mean... But I was
2: specifically talking about exposure I and... Money. I
0: don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think that that's right. more of... That's like your opinion, man. Yeah. If you think sport yeah, exactly. is art, you think sport is art. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just think we kind of disagree on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, but, but getting so, to exposure being... Is exposure enough uh, of a payment for, for your work as a creator? Exactly. Oh, it's, it's interesting because you'll hear a lot of actors talk about like if uh, they will be like, you know, when I first moved to L.A., you take every job you can get. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you're paid or if exactly. you're paid. You just need to get the work. You need to get the experience and you need to meet people. Yeah. Exposure. Mm-hmm. And that without doing that, you might miss your opportunity to get the real job that gets you the real money mm-hmm. that lets you live your life as an actor. So from that sense, I would say that exposure is important. I obviously don't think it's as important as being paid so that you can survive.
2: But in the same sense, like exposure is money. Time is money as well. It can
0: be. It's, it's a differently valued amount. Right. Yeah. But, all right. So, and you're, if you're like, you have, have to establish that you're talking to someone who values time way over money in a weird way. Like mm-hmm. I would much rather have a day off than hustle extra hard and go to work to make that extra amount of money. Like mm-hmm. it's much more important to me to do the things I want to do. And there's also
2: certain thresholds that you reach where certain things are going to mean more to you. Exactly. Right. So say if our YouTube blew up. Yeah. Right.
0: We would hire. A producer. Tell your friends. <laughs>
2: uh, we would hire a producer so that we would have extra time, so that we could create other shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, but right now we're not going to do that because we don't have the money. Well, for have to it. Pay rent. <laughs> we have to pay rent. <laughs> um, and I think it it is interesting, and I'm not sure how many like YouTube followers he had Mm -hmm. like when these people approached him with this. Um, But I, I feel like the blanket statement of saying, Oh, if you're an artist, you have to uh, value yourself this much, you know, because people are doing it with people have different prerogatives.
0: So I would say to him, I would say, what if to you an amount of exposure is worth this much money? Mm -hmm. Are you then, are you still valuing yourself? x amount exactly yeah so to him fine if you don't think exposure is worth that much fine Mm -hmm. you know get your money if you but if you feel differently i don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that exposure is just as valuable Mm -hmm. i don't think there's anything wrong with that i thought you were going to go into i thought he was going to be against working with Kylie Jenner being involved with the Kardashians is right. where I thought you were going with. That. Oh no, like I
2: was, I was, I was bringing up exposure because, like, that's yeah. co- sort of like what he addressed with uh, the whole working with Kylie Jenner thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, is that it's just exposure for exposure's sake? That's
0: interesting. And I mean, he ended up creating exposure without really meaning to. It seems like. I mean, I've never heard of this guy, but you somehow heard out, heard of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just that in and of itself has created exposure, right? Genius, forty chess, forty <laughs> chess. He didn't have to do the work, and he got the exposure anyway. <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, I, th- I thought it was like an interesting thing because I'm also like I'm very weird when it comes to credit mm-hmm. um, and credit with an art too. Um, and this is like something that like I've been I go back and forth on. Um, what do you mean? Uh, so, 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 all right, so say if I write a script, mm-hmm. right? All of my scripts are available on my website.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Only one of them is actually registered with the WGA. And that's my feature, right? If people, Writers Guild of America. If people went out to, like, and, and made my shorts and shit, I wouldn't really care. The only thing I would, like, be... I, I would prefer is if like you actually put my name there, you know, and just be yeah. like, "Hey, this is exposure." Written by, yeah, and this yeah. is written by Christopher Michael Stott. Right?
0: So I think, uh, so you're 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 trying to get to credit. Like you don't even mind if if you don't get the credit. Yeah, if they not didn't really. put written like, by Christopher Michael Stott, you wouldn't care.
2: Not like specifically, you wouldn't feel like with, it was
0: stolen from you.
2: Not if it was like specifically like a short film. Like I, i would okay. be like. It's obviously, I, I know that it's wrong. Yeah. You know, I know that it's wrong. But do I feel wronged? Not really. It's, it's Ooh, kind of a weird, yeah, it's kind of a like a weird gray area for me.
0: I kind of think I would approach it a little bit of the opposite. I think once I created something, mm-hmm. if then fans made their own shorts inspired by, or, you know, like if, you know, you see people put up YouTube videos of being like, here's a weird Harry Potter short I made that has nothing to do with anything. I just made it. That's cool to me. There's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. because I've already made my thing. I've already received the credit for it. I've already received the payment for it. And now people are inspired by it and want to create themselves. And I think that's an important part of being a creator is inspiring other people to want to create. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't have any problem with that in terms of rights being like, they're making something. I don't have a problem with that as as long as my part's been taken care of already. Yeah. And I feel like it
2: goes into like a really interesting, Area of thought as far as uh, creation and um, accreditation, mm-hmm. right? Um, you see it in rap music with sampling, Ooh, yeah. Right. Um, at what point does a creation become another creation? Does it become another thing? At what point do you become? When did an harder, better, faster,
0: stronger become stronger?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, like, and at what point does you know, sampling go too far. Does it
0: doesn't become plagiarism. So I am very firmly planted in the camp that one sampling is art. Sampling is a musical art form. Mm-hmm. Taking a piece of music and editing it and chopping it up and changing it and changing pitch and changing all kinds of things. And then weaving it into your own piece is a form of art mm-hmm. and it's hard to do. That being said, I mean, I think it's plagiarizing when it's the exact same because you could make an entire album of cover songs. To me, as long as you're crediting this is, you know, so-and-so by so-and-so musician, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with making an entire album that's just covers.
2: But it's But it's also a weird, like, for different mediums, it's different, right?
0: Yeah, because if you made a movie that was like a shot-for-shot remake— or I mean, not even shot for shot. If you made a movie based on the same script, you you can't do that,
2: right? Or like say, if you're a stand-up comedian and you're telling yeah, it, and you joke if steal if you, Ooh. but like so, if I'm a if I'm a singer and I sing a song that Whitney Houston sang, it's my right, interpretation of Whitney Houston. Yeah, it, song. it's just yeah. a cover, and people are accepting of that uh, of that as its own creation, mm-hmm. right? But even in like the same medium, right? Like in the in the same. Uh, if you're just crossing into a different genre, right, but still within music, if I put out a song and I just d- did nothing but Drake lyrics, yeah, that's fucking stealing because right? rap
0: is, is looked at differently than other music because in rap, part of the art form of rap is that you write your own lyrics. It's, mm-hmm. or it's part of the, um, expected procedure of creating rap music. Mm-hmm. That's why ghostwriting is something that is, is attacked. If people think you have a ghostwriter, they will attack you. Mm-hmm you know, you'll get distracted about it and fans will not accept you as being the level of artistry that other rappers are because you're, you have ghostwriters. That's really interesting. But like, yeah. Cause then like a Beyonce album, every song will have six writers on it and no one cares. Right.
2: Hmm. But, uh, J Cole brings it up with, uh, brings that up a lot as far as like sampling, like literally on his albums, he'll be like, like, Fucking make sampling easier. Like people are inspired by your shirt shit. They want to create their own shit. Yeah, because
0: a lot of times uh, you know, they can't put a song on an album that they made because they can't get the the sample rights yeah, to they're, go they're, through. Yeah, they're 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 waiting for legal shit. Yeah. Um
2: Which but but you still have to have that, right? You still have to have copyrights. I think that extent. as long
0: as the world is driven by money, yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as you need money to survive, then yes. Um,
2: um But there's a a weird yeah, I'll I'll also think about like this like sort of metaphor, like say if I was a gardener, mm-hmm. right? And I'm I'm trying to grow a flower. Mm-hmm. I buy the seeds. I go uh online and and read how to uh what 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 kind of uh soil I need, what kind of sun exposure, how yeah, much watering. Exactly. Uh and you know, I read books on gardening, you know, all of the things that I need to do, right? Now if I successfully grow this flower, right? How much should I take ownership of this creation, right? And for me, I believe that the creating of the flower is what is important, mm-hmm. not your own, uh, your taking credit of growing the flower, right? But even if you are saying, oh, I grew this flower, which you did, you grew the flower, yeah. but could you have done it without google could you have done it
0: without uh i mean theoretically yes because people figured it out throughout history without google you specifically probably not you're an idiot
2: <laughs> yeah no, <me>. <laughs> yeah,
0: just, yeah. Me. chris stott yeah i yeah. couldn't have done it
2: <laughs> um I don't know. I I just, it's like, I I feel like that is a a metaphor for just creation in general. And then, you know, know, how, how, how how much can I take ownership of writing the fourth type? Even though, like, while I was uh, writing it, you know, I was fucking watching Archer and being like, fuck, I want my dialogue to be exactly like that. Mm -hmm. I want to write something that's similar to Annie So when you're, when you're
0: inspired by things, does that deserve credit? And, obvi- and obviously it so, doesn't. Well, it a- doesn't
2: like like in our own the, the way that copyright exists right now, it doesn't L- legally speaking.
0: You're you're not talking about legally though. You're talking about no, more like, not even morally, you're talking about like philosophically.
2: Yeah. Should I take ownership
0: of this thing? So, I've seen a thing, I mean, I don't I don't know the answer obviously, but I've seen a thing that if it is something that you struggle with could uh help. I've seen scripts where it will say, you know, so and so movie written by so and so inspired by this, this this and this or uh, you know, I want to thank so and so for the tone. Or just you mm-hmm. can you see that sometimes on scripts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
2: Max Landis talks about it too that's, about yeah. how like people are like oh always people always, uh, say that Chronicle is Akira. Oh oh, it's so much like Akira, and he's mm-hmm. like watch Carrie. Yeah, if you watch Carrie and then watch Chronicle, you'd be like oh Max Landis is the biggest hack yeah. of all time. But
0: he says it about literally all his movie cause mm-hmm. You know, you say uh, American Ultra is just Jason Bourne mixed with like Pineapple Express. Right. But it's also like it takes a specific person to mash those two things together and make it work. You mm-hmm. can't just go... I mean, you could probably look at anything and come up with two other stories that exist and vaguely argue that it's a mashup of two things. You could say that about almost any piece of work, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. I don't think you are... Uh, you're validating yourself by... by belittling it by saying that you're it doesn't mean i it's like okay who cares it's its own thing though like chronicle is its own thing mm-hmm. as similar or dissimilar as it may be to Carrie or akira right they didn't have dane Dehan's performance in that movie mm-hmm. they didn't have michael b jordan mm-hmm. it wasn't found footage it wasn't found one footage. was an animated yeah, film exactly it's like there's, there's there's differences there's so many differences that it makes it its own yeah. unique thing mm-hmm. and so much has been and will continue to be made That you will always be able to draw lines to other things, Mm -hmm. and as a creator, you can't set aside your inspirations. They they're they're coming through you
2: subconsciously. Well, and the whole reason that you might be involved with that art, or that you a majority of people are involved with their art, is because they've been inspired by their previous works. Exactly. Right. Like I fucking. When I watch Ex Machina, I'm so fucking inspired by it that like I want to make a movie like it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want people to feel the same way that I felt when I watched fucking Inglorious Bastards for the mm-hmm. first time. And Quentin Tarantino is another one that's like um, that sort of plays around with that a lot because there are literally shots that he
0: just steals right from movies. Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. Mm-hmm. That's that seems to be more like an homage than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but yeah, like, like. but and is when there, you're, and a, is when there you're, a line? Is and there when a you're threshold? twisting it and you're and you're putting it in your own story and the context of it is completely different. Mm-hmm. It's just, you go, that looks beautiful. Right. I want to recreate that beautiful image right. in my film. Right. It That doesn't seem, I don't know where the line is. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe the line is different for it's, different things. Exactly,
2: and you have to constantly evaluate it as yeah. an artist and as a, like, cause, and, you, and you have to take your own medium into question too mm-hmm. because, like, you can be a stand-up comic and come up with a killer fucking joke, and then be like, "Oh shit,
0: somebody fucking made that joke twenty-five years ago." David Tell wrote this
2: joke eight years ago, yeah. and I fucking I I, I didn't even realize been, that I was remembering it. Yeah, yeah. Or like you've never even seen the bit before, and you're like, yeah. "Oh fuck, Lenny Bruce did this fucking it. yeah."
0: Beat me to it, mm-hmm. and in that medium, you have to take it out of your set. You can't do it. Exactly, your you joke cannot stealing. do it. Yeah. It's like it's 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 almost. It's, it might be hated more than ghostwriting oh, yeah. and rap. Joke stealing is like the, the biggest sin in comedy mm-hmm. that you can, that, I mean, I mean, you could be like Louis C. can be a weirdo or something, but I think I mean, in terms Bill, of stage work. Bill Cosby is a better example. Yeah, Bill Cosby is right? a much better example. Yeah. yeah. You could be like a horrible person and that's obviously worse, but I'm talking about in the terms of the art expression, the yeah. worst thing you can do as a stand-up comedian is joke steal.
2: Yeah.
0: Those are interesting ideas, though interesting things to think about and i think but like so quentin tarantino uh
2: to to bring up another thing like so he'll use specific shots right Mm -hmm. so like and I, i might be like straight up wrong about this but like the shot in the graduate right which is not a quentin tarantino film um it was a fucking dustin hoffman movie uh one of my favorite movies of all time by the way uh there is a specific shot in the beginning of the graduate that's the exact same as uh, one of the shots in Foxy Brown. Okay. Um, or Jackie Brown, sorry. Um, and, like, that isn't as bad. You know, like, kind of sampling a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, like, using something that's sort of an homage. But, let's say if you're using specific dialogue from a movie. Right? So, you know... Pulp Fiction Have you seen Pulp Mm -hmm. Fiction Do Like you remember The whole Samuel L. Jackson Monologue That he goes through I feel
0: like people Have used parts of that In a lot of things So people have used that Yeah
2: But he like Literally took it Word for word From some Asian film Really Yeah Like in the beginning of uh, Now a a lot of that Is him
0: quoting The Bible Right Yeah But
2: that's not An exact Like That verse Doesn't exist in the Bible Oh It doesn't exist in the Bible The only place it actually exists Is in a different movie
0: Oh wow That's really interesting, and
2: I don't think that a character actually said it in the movie. I uh, I don't think a character actually said it in the movie. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it was like on like a screen crawl. Oh, Um, and he adapted it a little bit, but for the most part, it's like it's still, it's still the same thing. It's still the same monologue. It's kind of weird. It's just like
0: yeah, and that's like an iconic moment.
2: Yeah, it's something that's so like when you think about Pulp Fiction, you think about.
0: I mean, that's kind of what you 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 literally use the word sampling. It's kind of like sampling something. You took it, you changed the way it was presented originally. You folded it around and you molded it and you gave it to Samuel Jackson and, and he spoke and it's different now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the same, but it's different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't have a problem with that mm-hmm. individually. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. that seems cool to me. So like, I, I, I don't know where the line is. Right. I think if you made a movie where, like the dialogue was consistently the same as a different movie that you'd be pushing a weird limit how much of that can you get away with
2: and that would also be like another, like if you like watched a, if
0: you watched a movie where someone gave the whole thief in Burma story that Alfred tells in the Dark Knight right that could get a little weird right unless it was somebody that was on Alfred's team oh are you just
2: thinking of like prequels that you could yep. do for Batman? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, like a random movie that you had no idea has anything to do with the Dark Knight and it's like Alfred's friend that was with him and he's telling the exact same story
2: <laughs> well like that's kind of what uh, I'm talking about Quentin Tarantino a lot but mm-hmm. like he he is really experimental with like sort of uh, re-envisioning certain things right and the, the character from Django Unchained mm-hmm. is actually supposed to be you know Shaft you know the character Shaft yeah. he's supposed to be Uh, shafts like great-grandfather right yeah Yeah.
0: that's like one of those things we were like oh okay cool awesome (laughs) (laughs) if that's the headspace that you had to get into to figure that out awesome man you mm -hmm. did it i think that more interestingly is that quentin tarantino tried to recreate the australian accent in that movie
2: what do you mean by recreate
0: it's
1: horrible (laughs) (laughs) That was something that he
2: could not rehash. No. That he could not do.
0: <laughs> he tried; it didn't work. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's some b- big ideas to chew on that are above our pay grade. I think. I think it's, I think it comes down to an individual. You know where where you lie on the scale and what mm. you think is yeah, right. Yeah,
2: and well, I just think it, yeah, it comes down to constant evaluation yeah. of whatever art you're working mm. on.
0: Yeah, I think if we've learned anything is that every every genre of art is has its own different limits and values. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep them in mind mm-hmm. when dealing in that space. Yeah. That's pretty tight. You got any other philosophical things to throw at me? Not really, Doug. No. I got something I want at to throw. At least not you. yet. We'll see. Oh yeah, okay. And there's no guarantee. I got something to throw at you. I promise. I promised this in a in a In a recent episode, I promised that we would talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, shit. And my deep, deep love for Dungeons & Dragons. I think that everyone in the world should play Dungeons & Dragons. Mm. Everyone. I think that... I don't think that people understand what it is. And I think that...
2: Can we pause real quick so I can piss?
0: Oh, my God. Before we go
2: into it? Before I get into it? Before we get into it.
0: All right. Baba ba 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 doop We back. Hello. Baba doop bop boop. So D Um Alright, so I've been playing D D since... Have you actually
2: said Dungeons and Dragons yet? Do people like Yeah, automatically... I said it like three
0: times. Did, oh,
2: specifically Dungeons yeah. and Dragons or did
0: you say D No I said Dungeons and Dragons. But did you For say that specific? Dungeons
2: and Dragons?
0: Yes. Okay. Said it multiple times because I because specifically I don't I knew really just listen saying D and D. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you don't value me in any way. <laughs> so, what
2: is Dungeons and Dragons? For Dungeons and Dragons that is a, a table. tabletop
0: role playing game. At its ba- most basic definition, mm-hmm. it's a tabletop role playing game. Uh, there's a lot more to it. There's a, lot, there's a lot you can say about it. Get your stress ball, dog. Mm-hmm. Um, Some people will argue that it's a storytelling game. Others tell you it won't. There's a lot of semantics to D&D about opinions about what it can be, what it should be, what it is. But that's all for a different medium than what we're doing. Um, I've been playing D&D since 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. I think 2012. Me and a group of our close friends, not you, but friends that we have, that we have, that we love... All started playing D, D D D and D together in the trap house, uh, back in our hometown, uh, and I literally have not stopped playing since. Even when I'm not living with those people and the people I play D and D with, we we find ways to play online. Like it's just something that we will will never stop doing because it's so fulfilling and so fun. Right. Uh, I kind of thought of a, a fun way to ap- approach talking about it would be with you specifically because you have played twice. But you didn't take it seriously and didn't know what was going on.
2: So I wanted to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. My problem, like, I didn't want... I didn't want to, like, subvert the experience of, like, everyone having fun with D&D. You did Because I did not. But No, it I'm ended saying up, you
0: didn't do that.
2: Oh, I didn't? Like, when it actually happened? Yeah. I felt like I kind of was.
0: You created a lasting memory.
2: of like the the The, character that 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 weirdo character that you made for no
0: reason (laughs) like lives on as jokes that we tell each other to this day
2: right now on paper i should love dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. um for like a lot of the things that you said right the the communal storytelling Mm -hmm. of it the creation that like there's performance in, in it as well um the The ability to sink into a fantasy world mm-hmm. and make decisions and
0: decisions that uh, that directly affect <clears throat> the story and what's happening.
2: Yes, and um, the the idea of it being a video game but greater. Yeah, um, is something that all of those boxes like fucking check Interest off you. for me. Like yeah. I'm just like this. I should love this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at least with me trying to do it before, like it seemed like too much
0: work. And it's... That is the biggest, I think, hold off for people. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's once you start looking at how the numbers work and why the different dice mean different things, it confuses people. It seems like a lot. It's a There's a big learning curve to Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, certainly. And it's weird because now that I've been playing, you know, for however long, it's all second nature to me. I can, you know... I can spout rules from obscure parts of the different rule books and tell you why things are the way they are. But it's just because I've been playing for so long. Mm-hmm. And because I expose myself to different mediums that bring Dungeons and Dragons alive in different ways. Like I watch the show Critical Role every week, mm-hmm. or I watch YouTube videos of Matt Colville talking about being a dungeon master and how to be a great dungeon master. And his, his YouTube channel is specifically built toward teaching new people how easy it actually is to run D and D and how you shouldn't feel overwhelmed by it.
2: Mm -hmm. But for those of you that don't really understand like what, D and D is still tabletop role playing games. Yeah, what is a tabletop role playing game? You, I mean, it is. You have a group of your friends, Mm -hmm. whatever, right? You have one person who's designated as like the god. He's the narrator. You're called in D
0: and D. You're called the dungeon master. In other games, you're called just the game master. Right. The DM, but you have
2: your your dungeon master, your game master, who's like sort of he's in charge. They're in charge of the
0: world and all of the characters that are not being played by the other people at the table. Right,
2: Uh, uh, and. NPCs is what they're NPC, called, Yeah, right? you play every NPC, um, and, and you play every
0: villain, you play every villager you run into, every mm-hmm. shopkeep, and you make, in in depending on how deep you dive, you can create the whole world. Right. That's one of the things that, to me, is so awesomely fun about D&D is the customizability of the game and how deep you can go into it but uh,
2: outside of uh, being a dungeon master, you have the people who are actually playing the game. They're the characters that are going yes. through the quest, the adventure, right? Yeah. And you get to decide what to do with that quest. Uh, yep. Are you going to sort of follow the the lines of narrative that have been crafted by this dungeon master, or are you kind of
0: going to come up with something? something completely out of the right? blue? You can and, do that,
2: and that's another thing that's like really interesting about yeah. Dungeons and
0: Dragons is like the the improvisation and I think aspects. Yes, and I, I think that. A good so we're gonna we can get into some of the the nichey things of D and good DM is going to make it so that you want to follow the narrative being driven because it's driven by what the characters in the group want to well, do, and it's compelling and it's too, yeah exactly right?
2: like like if you know um if you know writing principles mm-hmm. and how to craft a, like an interesting narrative, people are going to want to resolve the, resolve the
0: tension of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. They, they're going to want to get through that conflict. Yeah, and to, to go into that. I mean, it's just like fucking watching the first 10 minutes of a movie.
0: Yeah. You know? And like, it's what kinda, makes you, what makes yeah. you
2: not fucking turn it back off? And it's again. kind
0: of interesting because you're obviously approaching it from a storyteller's perspective. Mm-hmm. A lot of people approach D D from a video game perspective. Right. And they think I want to kill monsters and I want to get loot. Mm-hmm. And that's where getting into the nitty gritty of, of the philosophy of D and D from different perspectives comes in. There's, I mean, there's endless hours of videos and blogs and people talking about the different ways to approach D and D that you can get into and the merits and the demerits of both of them, of either side of everything. And I approach D and D very much from the storytellers, perspective. that's what I love about it is the storytelling and the character creation. Mm -hmm. I specifically love, I love coming up with a character idea and fleshing out the character through the story through the other players at the table. But some people do it for power fantasy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Some people want to feel powerful. They want to go in there and they want to have a hero mm-hmm. who beats the bad guys and they get rewarded mm-hmm. for it. And that's fine. You can mm-hmm. have all of these types yeah, the, of players. The sense of achievement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can have all of this at a table together. It just takes the right... I think a, a, another reason a lot of people might try D&D and then not go back is they have a bad DM. Right. If you don't have the right person bringing all this together, it can get, it can give you a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't really have a specific direction I want to go with talking about D and D, outside of just getting across how flexible and fun it can be, and well, how therapeutic it can be. Well, and
2: it's kind of blowing up again. Well, it's getting yeah. It's, and a
0: big part of that is the show Critical Role. Mm-hmm. You know, there's forty thousand people watching live every week. And, a group of voice actors play. D&D. And there's also people like Dan Harmon, yeah, who Dan Harmon with, who um,
2: literally plays it on his podcast.
0: They, they, had
2: two episodes on community.
0: Mm-hmm. That was kind of the, right at the beginning of the resurgence was right around when the community episode mm-hmm. aired.
2: But he also has a specific show yeah. devoted. Harman Town.
0: or not. That's his podcast. Uh, Harmontown is, is his
2: podcast. Harmont uh, Quest, Quest yeah. is his D and D is yeah. his D and D show where he has all of his friends plus one guest celebrity that will yeah. come in and play uh, Dungeons and, and Dragons. And it's weird
0: because these, these different mediums show the different, what I was talking about flexibility of the game Harmon quest is goofy and quick and silly critical role is dramatic and big and uh, it's, it's like, uh, I'm, I love critical. It's mm-hmm. if I had to choose one TV, one show to exist, I would choose critical role. Really? It gives me, not only does it give me the variation of all emotions, it takes me from humor mm-hmm. to sadness, to heartbreak, mm-hmm. to joy, to victory, it gives all of these these emotions, but it also gives me the most content. It gives mm-hmm. me four hours a week. Now, see, like I would approach.
2: So, I think the difference between uh, Harmon Quest and and Critical Role is like the difference between Rick and Morty and Game of Thrones. Because yeah. I don't, I don't think that Harmon Quest is without seriousness. No, no, there's a lot of because of who Dan Harmon is. Yeah, and because of his, he cannot help. But mm-hmm. develop character yeah. and and now and interestingly, narrative.
0: he doesn't. He's not the GM. He's not the DM of his game. No, he's but, a he plays a character in the game. But the
2: the person who is DMing those games is was literally a fan of the podcast, yes. and he was like, "Oh, I kind of want to get into." Uh, th- th- their podcast is live. Yeah, uh, and, and it's always an in front of everything. a live audience, um, yeah. and they're he was very like, much
0: performing for that audience.
2: Yes, um, but but uh, he was talking about Dungeons and Dragons and he was like, is there anybody in the audience that like just is, is really knowledgeable about mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons? And this one fucking hand comes up. um, And th- that dude has been on the podcast since yeah. Um, then. And he's the DM for yeah. Home and Quest too. I can't fucking think of his name right now. He's That's got funny. the big beard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't think of his name either. Uh, But yeah, I, I kind of, I guess I wanted to get kind of your perspective, because I'm so steeped in it. That I, I don't... What is the outside perspective of it now? So, after it's kind of restored so,
2: so I'll tell you because I also have an interesting perspective. Like you are... You, you already have uh, our friend group and everything. And well, like, that's one of which the is like tough more things
0: about moving out here. I don't have a group out here anymore. So it's like... Physically, you start Physically you yeah.
2: don't. Physically, you don't. Um, but... You're still sort of entrenched in that perspective of mm-hmm. band geeks, right? Like, I mean, yeah, that's it's what, yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, it's b- similar, b- but but that but that culture, you know, like that sort of geeky culture. Whereas I, I'm, I'm a mechanic in the navy. In the, in the navy, yeah. It couldn't be like more of a diametrically opposed perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, but like, but you sort of get a a, a, a yin and a yang mm-hmm. of like different interests, like with with both of those sides, yeah. right? Now. I run into the, a majority of the people in the Navy. Whenever I bring up Dungeons and Dragons, they think that it's fucking nerdy. Yeah. That's you know, the, like still, people, the,
0: even after the resurgence and how much it's got, how bigger, how much bigger it's gotten over the last like two or three years. It hasn't hit that demographic. Like Joe Mangianello is very open and adamant about how much he loves and plays D&D. Mm-hmm. That's a movie star. The fucking Vin Diesel. Yeah. Is Vin another Diesel's one. another one. Yeah.
2: Um, But like But there are certain Like areas of Like of geek culture Mm -hmm. Of uh, It's taboo But 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 there are certain That have blown up And Fucking comic book movies Yeah comic books Are are like like the largest examples Of things that are just Widely uh, um, Experienced by the 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 massive Yeah Um, So like even uh, My Demographic That uh, That I'm Living in Right now You know It still gets to them Whereas like they they don't know what fucking critical role yeah, is yeah exactly uh they don't know that like even when i bring up dan harmon i have to be like he's the guy that created rick Commu- and morty or community or because rick and yeah. morty is another one that like a lot of people a lot of people, people watch community or rick, or rick, rick and morty. morty yeah um yeah so i mean like from an outside perspective a lot of people still had have, have that kind of i wouldn't i wouldn't say taboo but it's like they have the those hang ups they you know, have a like, conclusion already mm-hmm. drawn
0: yeah and I, I mean that obviously it, it comes from back in the eighties during the Satanic Panic, I think is where it originates and that kind of made anyone who did play D back then had to go into hiding. The satanic
2: panic? you never heard of that? You I know don't know what think that is? So, so no, the Satanic Panic
0: me. was when D and D was like at its peak back in like I think it was the eighties. It became a thing where uh you were being as a parent, you were being told that your kids oh your kid plays Dungeons and Dragons, he's worshiping the devil. Ooh. Like stuff like that. So it became this mm. huge thing, especially in... That
2: makes me want to play D&D more.
0: Yeah. This huge thing, and especially like, you know, middle class, upper middle class white huh. homes that they got terrified of D&D. Damn. became, oh, what are you doing with your friends? Oh, I'm going to play D&D. And they, no, you can't spend time with those... It, it was called the Satanic Panic. Fuck, that's like really interesting. Yeah. that's You didn't know about that? I'm no, surprised. not really. Yeah, that's like where the taboo of D&D started. Okay. Okay. Because before that, D&D was just, D&D started, it was, uh, you know what war games are? Tabletop war games, like Warhammer, and I don't have many other examples other than Warhammer. <laughs> like Warhammer yeah. and, and Warhammer. Warhammer. Like, it's basically games where you have a table, and you have all your figurines that you build them, and you paint them, and right. they all have statistical uh, things attributed to them, mm-hmm. and you roll dice to determine the outcome of, and you, you fight, you go to war with someone right. else's army. It's it's not dissimilar to Card games like playing Magic the Gathering or something. Okay, okay. It, that's a war game though, where it's very specifically about the fighting. But but it's 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 strategy. It's strategy. Right. Yes. D and D came from taking war games and making them more character driven. Hmm. That's why combat is so as center focused in the game. Right. That's why your class you choose and the race you choose have. That's interesting. Abilities that give you advantage in combat. So
2: like like narrative kind of came into. Uh, in, into strategy gaming and fucking- kind of,
0: and even that—that that was just a little bit. It was—it was more uh, Gary Gygax being like, "I want to play a war game on a smaller scale." Gary Gygax—he's the guy who created D and D. Okay, uh, he said, "I want to play a war game on a smaller scale. I want to be—I'm my character, and this is my—and I want to be a wizard, and this person wants to be this, and so and so." So they came up with this whole new game, Dungeons and Dragons. Now, five editions later, we're in—we're dun- in fifth edition, and now for the really, for the first time, storytelling is kind of more focused than ever in the game. If you read the rule books of D and D, there's not really anything about storytelling there. It's not like, you know, this is how you set up the introduction for your story. And this mm-hmm. is how you tell the middle of your story. And this is yeah. how you get to, the, there's nothing about that in D and D. It's just the modern take on Dungeons and Dragons is that the, the value it gives you in, as a storytelling. And Yeah. Uh, like engine almost.
2: I I think that's like another reason why people are so, uh, why it's not as popular as Mm. like video games. Right. So like with video games, I know specifically how I need to play it. Right. I need, this console and I'm gonna buy the game and then I need I have this controller, controller, right? And, and most I controls through through most games' controls and work similarly. Whereas like like D is is so much more amorphous yeah. with your experience. Mm-hmm. Like like we were just talking about the differences between how the critical role people do it and how Dan Harmon yeah. does it. Neither one is more important. You no, they're both like right. Yeah. There's
0: no wrong answer to the yeah. way you play DD. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're an asshole. There's there's horror tales out there. Here's another reason why D&D is kind of taboo is you find these horror stories of people, somebody going, you know, oh, I love the Lord of the Rings movies. And I think Game of Thrones is awesome. So I, I went to my local game store and they, they set me up in a game and I'm a girl. And the first thing that someone did is they talked about rape. Oh Jesus. Yeah. There's horror stories out there of just oh horrible, God. horrible groups and just bad people. And it, it's sad because somebody like that just goes, I will never play D&D again. Right. And it's so sad because it's like, that's not what most people are like. Right. You just happen to stumble upon horrible people Mm -hmm. that are, you know, their, their fantasies are wrong and the things that they're trying, it's just not right Mm -hmm. what they're trying. And you feel bad for those people because you, I want that person to be able to explore a a character they love in a world they love with, with Mm -hmm. good people. Yeah. It's and, like it's like when I
2: recommend fucking Why the Last Man to someone, like it's because I enjoyed it so much. I want you to share yeah. uh in, in this interest with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's yeah, so like an it's it's that it's the neckbeard thing. It's when when you when you close your eyes and you imagine the people playing Dungeons and Dragons, it's a bunch of pasty white dudes in their basement that don't groom themselves and smell bad and they're eating Cheetos and they're probably getting up to some skeevy shit in their game. Right. You know, one of them is like I'm playing a sexy lady. Like it's and they're being weird about it. That's not what most people are. Is the right. problem. That's the idea that you think of, but it's not what's happening. Right. And I mean, we have a tiny platform, but I want to use it to like try to express that that you can find people out there that are having so much fun and creating so many shared memories and mm-hmm. I mentioned therapeutic earlier. There's studies about how Dungeons and Dragons can serve as real therapy, how you can, the the character you create can go through similar problems that you're going through as a person and you can work through them in a fictional reality as a way of trying to work through them in your real reality. That's
2: something that Dan Harmon does in Harmon Quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, uh, character has uh, father issues. Yeah. Um, and it's like literally in the, fr- the entire f- entirety of the first season of Harmontown, his character is going through the, uh, an arc of reconnecting with his father and only reconnecting with his father, but realizing that he doesn't need his father mm-hmm. uh, in order to be a good person. To be valued. And, um, yeah.
0: and fucking Dan Harmon has those problems. Yeah. He has dad issues. Um,
2: so yeah. That's, yeah. It's, it's, fucking it's yeah,
0: there's literal scientific studies about the therapeutic benefits mm-hmm. of playing it's it's specified towards dungeon rang, but I would argue that really any role playing game, mm-hmm. because it's not just D anD D. There's a ton of really cool role playing games out there. This game's called like Masks and Dungeon World and just powered by the Apocalypse games. There's different and they're all different styles of game with their own own rule sets and their own. Some of them are setting specific. Like you can play the Star Wars role playing game mm-hmm. set in the Star Wars world. You can do anything in Star happens in Star Wars, but you can do it at the table with your friends and your imagination. Yeah and there's just there's just so much flexibility to the hobby and so much fun to be had and i just want to share with people how great it can be for you right and how many how how many friendships and memories you can create with it and the variance in storytelling that you can attack well i
2: feel like the inclusion of creation like it like w- whatever you're doing like to be more creative like i i i think that like writing is Super important because of like it is the like the almost like the lowest but like most important form of creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, because well, we we talked about it with, as far as writing, yeah. the it's the easiest. Um, as as far as resources, how, yeah. how resources come, um, because because you don't need anything, mm-hmm. um, in order to do it and in order to do it well, yeah, uh, especially you know like fucking J.K. Rowling can be a single mom going to coffee shops and write and, on a
0: napkin an idea it, yeah, yeah. And r-
2: write shit on uh, uh fucking on a napkin and it becomes a billion dollar industry, yeah. um, and like that shit is magical yeah that shit is magical like this is so I this is an interesting thought that it, like you, what you were just talking about with the satanic panic mm-hmm. and how like with the evolution of D and D people were like oh like uh, don't let them play D and D because it's, they're, they're worshiping the devil. They're yeah. <laughs> worshiping the devil. They're fucking witches.
0: Yeah. Right. Like,
2: um, Alan Moore. I don't know if I ever talked to you about, uh, this with, uh, with Alan Moore,
0: writer of Watchmen,
2: uh, writer of Watchmen V for Vendetta. Uh, he, he writes graphic novels mm-hmm. and, uh, he also did, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. fucking really fascinating guy. Very, really talented, very interesting dude, <laughs> really talented, um, writer, um, but he also believes that writing is, in a sense, magic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and that even the language of magic is closer to language itself than it is to magic, right? <clears throat> like, um, uh, literally, to cast a spell, um, it kind of derives from the ability to spell. Mm-hmm and uh even the uh, what a grimoire is mm-hmm. uh, a book of spells yep. that uh derives from grammar um grimoire grammar grimoire yeah. grammar right and uh, for him, like he, he literally practices fucking magic with a K, you know, like fucking, yeah. and and he's, he's delved himself into the worlds of like seances and shit like yeah. that, which is, is, is crazy.
0: Symbolism. It's, stuff it's like very, that. it's
2: very crazy. Um, But like, I found that like really interesting. Mm-hmm. The fact that like, as soon as like narrative starts to come into this already existing um like strategy gaming, right. That's like when you start saying, Hey, like that's, that's some devil shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah because it's so fu- i don't know uh, to me it's just it's so, it's so fucking powerful yeah you know that like, just
1: storytelling in general mm mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well
0: yeah
2: yeah just storytelling in general fucking the the uh, ability of it to fucking to change mm-hmm.
0: i don't know yeah that was i just wanted to talk about how dope D&D is mm-hmm how much i love it I get it
2: i'm yeah. not sure if i'm the, i i want to revisit it
0: i want you to revisit it too I want to run a game for you but and I'd, some other people. Like,
2: I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna need somebody to like kind of like hold my hand through the process, dude. That's what I'm here for. Because <laughs> because the first time, like I think Jamie talked about it before. But shout out to Jamie Cunningham. Um, yeah,
0: you uh, played in Paul's game, right? I don't know. It was Paul, it was Paul's game. Yeah, it was.
2: But Jamie was like, "We didn't include you in the right way. Yeah. This is this is how we should have. We brought threw you, you to in. the wolves.
1: Yeah, we were and like, just, we were like, no, you just play, like, and fucking I, get with it, and dude. Like I just play. Achieved, <laughs> and I
2: just achieved like a certain threshold of effort that yeah. I put in, and I was like, I'm not doing anymore. more. Yeah. And then what, by the time it got to the game, I didn't want to subvert the game. Yeah. But I felt like that's what I was doing because
0: you were essentially a guest player in a game that we'd been playing for a long time. Yes. So yeah. I would love to get a group of, and I was like, the only group and start from the beginning. The
2: only thing I'm sort of going to get out of this is like being funny and like, and
0: and I don't know how much I I am. We all love (laughs) Drakborg. We've created fan theories about (laughs) Drakborg of our own game. It's how stupid it was. (laughs) But yeah, I would if we could find a group to play with. I would I would definitely I would love to run D and D for a group of a whole group that's never played before. Mm. I would love to introduce a group of like four or five people that have never played, and teach them all from the beginning, and kind of you know hold your hand through the beginning. Right. I think that that would be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, D and D, play it, play it. Find find cool people that you trust. Don't like don't necessarily just be like strangers. Great, like meet them before you play with them. Uh, but find find a group of friends and create memories you'll never forget and just joy just pure joy
1: what well, uh, what why I'm are you not, looking at me like I'm that I'm not
0: crying <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, you got anything else you want to do shout outs let's fucking get shout outs alright I with. I feel like my shout out's is going to be kind of long kind of long alright I'll right. go first then uh, I mentioned him earlier actually in the podcast my shout out is the alter ego of ex-NFL running back Arian Foster Bobby Fino. Ooh. Bobby Fino is Arian Foster's uh, rap name. And he released And an to album. remind
2: people, Arian Foster is the running back. Yeah, uh, he used the, to play for the, the Texans. running back yeah.
0: uh, for the Houston Texans. He used to do the Texans. Namaste celebration <laughs> for four touchdowns. Yeah. He's super dope. Uh, has his own podcast and everything. He's 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 flourishing in his post-NFL life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he's done is uh, create this album called Flamingo and Koval and under the the, the name Bobby Fino. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Flamingo and Koval is the intersection where Tupac was killed. That's what the album is named after. Um, I know the first thing that people usually think of when an athlete makes a rap album is, Oh, that's going to suck. This is not that this is, um, I would say jazz rap inspired kind of in the vein of a J Cole kind of type of music. Uh, and he tells his his story, and uh, there's some super dopes. I would say that my favorite songs are um, Watermelon Sunrise, um, Wine Bottles and Cheese, and the very long song, Amen, where Arian dives into his religious opinions, which are the complete opposite of most athletes, and it's very interesting. That dude... Is he an atheist? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's very scientifically minded, very, you know, driven by science and mm-hmm. the way he thinks. How, uh, does he have guests on his podcast? Yeah. Yeah. His, 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 it's an interview show.
2: Okay. So it's an interview show. Like how inclusive is he? Like, does he bring uh, in people who are like kind of religious or does, uh, I don't know like, if
0: he's done a, Cause like,
2: like him having like Tim Tebow on would be like, yeah, it'd be interesting. very
0: interesting. He, so he's only, he's like 40 episodes in, I think. And he doesn't release it super often. It's like every few weeks. I think he's more gone with the route of he's had some science people on. He's had like uh, his own therapist was on with him, psychology people, athletes. That's fucking terrifying.
2: I don't know how. Yeah, someone your can own do that.
0: therapist. That's crazy. Um, Terry Crews. If you if you I would maybe recommend if you want to listen to one episode, listen to the Terry Crews episode of his podcast. That episode was amazing. They talked about you know just the the. The growing up being an African-American man and the expectations of that and the, the, the identity of, of being that. And they talked about all the stuff that he's been going through with the sexual harassment case that he put against that guy that worked at his agency that, you know, groped him and how that's been affecting him as a, how people have approached it because he's a man. and
2: Terry Cruz, not, uh, yeah, Terry. Yeah. Okay. This is
0: what they talked These right. experiences with Terry Cruz. Um, yeah, very interesting podcast and not only is Arian awesome, but Terry Cruz is an amazingly cool guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, just a really joyful person to, mm-hmm. to listen to talk. Uh, and they also shared, they both play in the NFL. So they kind of share that too. Uh, but yeah, Bobby Fino, Flamingo and Koval is the album. And just, I guess, shout out to Arian Foster in general as a person. He's one of my favorite people. Um, so yeah, that's my shout out. Dope. What you got? <clears throat>
2: All right, my shout-out uh, for this week is actually super niche. Like <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. Mm-hmm. Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. Show the people. Show the world. There it is. Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. Uh, what this is is basically uh, it's a nonfiction graphic novel that kind of goes about how to make a comic book. It's literally a comic book on how to make a comic book. Um, But it goes even further into that. Um, It brings up like theoretical ideas of how images can be um, used to communicate ideas. Um, And... I would suggest this for anybody who is thinking about any kind of visual medium. If you are an artist, if you are a painter, if you're a comic book writer or artist, if you are a filmmaker, cinematographer, photographer, whatever you're doing, if you're doing something that is through a visual medium, I'll say even just, if you're like, if you're a writer, Mm -hmm. if you're writing novels, fucking read this book. Um, because there's just, like, a lot of fucking really interesting shit. Uh, Scott McCloud is actually, like, the...
0: He's an actual comic book writer, too, right? He, yes. Yeah. He, he
2: did a, a comic book called The Sculptor, which mm-hmm. actually was uh, pretty interesting. I read it. Um, but he is the, like... He's from many generations of engineers. Oh, wow. Uh, and he was actually like kind of the first artistic personality in his family, which I thought I thought was kind of interesting because it parallels my own life because yeah. like literally I have two engineer brothers that were both in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Like my, my dad is a very fucking like uh, mechanical-minded person. Mm-hmm. My my brother is an engineer like outside of the Navy. He's a mechanic, fucking works on cars and shit. Um, so, yeah, like it, it – Paralleled my own life um, uh, as far as his, but he approaches the, um, the image and how comics are, are used to display ideas and it to display narrative in a really interesting way. Then um, he does it with the detail of a mechanic explaining a, f- a fucking engine. Hmm. You know, like, um, so. No, is
0: it, is it like palatable or is it like academic? is it easier to read? It's very easy okay. to read. Um so it's because a lot of times these kinds of books on on right and they the approach it academic it just makes it so hard to no, no. so to okay so like
2: it. um I, I feel like being palatable is is super important mm-hmm. because there's so many things that it's just fucking hard to get out Yeah. certain like uh people often recommend uh other people d- to read um the, the poetics by Aristotle mm-hmm. because it was like the first uh, book on dramatic theory yeah. and, and how to write a story. I read it and didn't get it fucking anything out of it. You couldn't because fathom it's, what was going it's, on. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it like, I, it might as well have been in Russian. You're I too stupid. I'm too dumb
0: <laughs> to understand it. And like most people too dumb to understand it. I would say the majority of people are probably too dumb to understand yeah, yeah. it. But,
2: um, but there are still, there are still a lot of interesting ideas in it. Right? Mm-hmm. But, understanding understanding comics is not that it's not aristotle's poetics um so i'll bring up one idea that's that's sort of in here um he brings up uh cartoons and iconography iconography um and the idea of the the neutral mask right understanding comics right uh so he posits that One of the reasons why cartoons are so fascinating and so um, uh, able to reach a a universal audience Mm -hmm. um, and why people are so accepting of them is because people are able to displace their own identity onto things that aren't as detailed. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So, um, and uh, the... there's a spectrum of images that exists in this, uh, in this book where on like one end you have the Mona Lisa, right? And on the other end you have like the, the little woman that's outside of like the female restroom, you know, like yeah, with the yeah, skirt yeah, and everything, yeah, yeah. right? Like one is like incredibly detailed and the other is as basic as mm-hmm. it can be. Right. Now the reason that, uh, it's so much – I'm, trying to, I'm going to try and articulate this as well as Scott McCloud, and I'm <laughs> going to fail is the thing yeah. because he's so much smarter than me. Uh, but basically, yeah, it, it just talks about how um, you're able to displace your identity on something that's more of an icon, something yeah. that's more cartoon That cartoony. skirt
0: figure can be any anyone.
2: It, well, it can be any female. Yeah, right. Like, or a dude wearing
0: you know. a dress. True,
2: that's true. Hey.
0: Or the Mona Lisa is very specifically the Mona Lisa. It's yeah. her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: And um like and say I'm having this conversation with you, right? I can see all of the details of your face, mm-hmm. right? But my own idea of how I look
0: yeah. isn't as detailed. Mm-hmm. It's um built off basically the memory of when you looked in a mirror uh, yeah,
2: yeah, and it's it's and it's it's more on figures you know mm-hmm. it's more cartoony than my actual but my vision of you yeah um and that's how like we're able to displace our identity so easily hmm. um that's interesting but yeah shit like that like he goes way more in detail um and there's a lot more of it that was just like in the beginning that, of the that's book. just one that, that's, just <laughs> one of, that's li- like literally
0: one of one of the ideas that yeah. he brings up That's really cool. Kind of a long shout out, but understanding comics by Scott McLeod. Mm. Shout out, shout out. Cool. So, uh, if you are listening, you can find us on YouTube. If you want to Chris and Kyle show, find us on any uh, podcasting platform, Chris and Kyle show, hit us up, share, like review, rate all that fun stuff. You Mm. know, do the, do the social media buzz, spread the word, Find me Davin25 on Twitter or Instagram. Find him Chris Michael Stott on Instagram or ChrisMichaelStott.com for his website. If you want to read his scripts he was talking about. Mm. Um, find the show TCAX Pod on Twitter. What's the Instagram? Instagram. TCAX Pod on Instagram too. No, it's the Chris and Kyle show. It's just the Chris and Kyle show on Instagram right. and Facebook. Um, we I said it earlier, but Venom won our poll, so this week look forward to our spoiler episode for Venom. Mm. And look, uh, the first of next month, we'll put a new poll up. We're actually going to make the poll smaller because Facebook doesn't let you make a bigger poll than two. So we're going to. That's not
2: a poll. No, that's a a yes or no answer. It's a decision. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So uh, make the decision. Uh, It'll be available on Facebook and Twitter and anywhere else we can figure out where to put it to send us to the movies next month, and we'll have the options then. Um, Look forward to maybe some special Halloween stuff next week. Yes. Maybe? Also,
2: uh, uh, look forward to guest episodes. Like we, yeah. uh, um, we really want to bring in a guest for the the podcast, and hopefully, we'll be able to do that by the end of the month. Yeah, we hopefully um, have our first one lined up. Um. Yep. Uh, and by November, start expecting guest episodes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, do you want to bring up Halloween? Do it, are Are we going to spoil our own spoiler?
1: Hmm
0: just like what we're doing or when we're doing it what we're doing we're gonna do a scary movie on Halloween spoiler episode I did it I spoiled it I did it I didn't say which movie though
2: that's what I'm saying do you wanna nah it'll be next week that will okay. be next
0: week right. but we are gonna release it a day early cause we normally release on Thursdays we're gonna mm-hmm. release it on Halloween which is on a Wednesday mm-hmm. other than that I think we're good are we out I think uh, I think we out stay weird
1: yep